0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of December 7th through December the 13th. I hope that you're having a good eclipse season out there. We are in the Bardot period, which is what we call the few weeks in between eclipses. It's kind of a period of transition. So hopefully you're hanging in there with all the changes that have been uh, appearing or are being asked to be made Um, I know that sometimes that can throw us off a little bit. Uh, I pulled an I Ching, um, or actually a tarot card, and and did an I Ching reading for you all this week, and um, just kind of to set the tone and receive the six of swords reversed, which you can see here with someone is trying to ferry uh, across a river to a, a new existence, and there may be some difficulty with that right now. Uh, When it's reversed, we may be resistant to change. And that hexagram number 21 in the I Ching is called reform or biting through. So this may be the type of week where we're trying to bite through obstacles and really move towards that new reality that we're being asked to embrace as we move very much closer to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius, which is uh, going to be a really big game changer as far as the collective is concerned, but also in our personal lives as well. So we'll talk about that a little bit this week. Uh, This week, we're going to be experiencing a last quarter moon with a square between the moon in Virgo and the sun in Sagittarius. Um, Some other big themes of the week is we're going to have a square between the sun and Neptune. That's going to happen on Wednesday the 9th. And then we're going to have a trine between the sun and Mars, although the sun will be conjoining the south node. So there's some interesting themes of moving forward, but also releasing ourselves from the past. Um, We are going to see a new decan for Mars this week, uh, moving into the third decan of Aries. That'll be interesting to unpack. And then Mercury will be making a square to Neptune at the end of the week. We're also going to be talking about the constellation Hercules this week because we have a number of fixed star conjunctions with the sun conjoining uh, the fixed star Ras Algethi, and Mercury following suit uh, later on in the week. So we will try to unpack the symbolism with that. I've been reading uh, this really great book. I wanted to share with you some books before we dive into it. This is one of my favorites recently that I've been working with this week. This is called Star Lore by William Tyler Olcott, Myths, Legends, and Facts. And I'm really enjoying this one. You know, I've been buying a lot of uh, fixed star books lately. And um, probably I think I have maybe 10 to 15 fixed star books now, which... You know, I like to get, you know, uh, I like to get ideas from different sources and like to really have a, a understanding that is taking into account a lot of different methods, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different research. So, but this one's really been standing out to me lately. Uh, Mr. Olcott, you know, this book was, when was this released? This was released in 2004. And, uh Let's see, this was actually originally published, uh, it looks like in 1911. So this is one that is fairly old, um, but was re-released in 2004. Um, that's interesting, I didn't know it was, it was so old, but that makes sense now. Um, very interesting, because this has been leading me on a lot of rabbit hole journeys, especially with Hercules. Uh, this book helped me to uh, come across another document that I was only able to find in, in PDF form for, at, at this point, but it was called the classical, uh, what was it? The classical, um, a dictionary of classical, oh geez. <laughs> what is it? It's by this guy named Charles Anthon. And I'm looking up the exact title here, uh, but let's see. Yeah, a classical dictionary. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know why it was was so uh, confusing. But yeah, Anthon's Classical Dictionary, which basically is a number of uh, definitions of different terms and different stories regarding Greek mythology, uh, regarding Greek culture, and and ancient culture in general. And I I saw a really interesting story about Hercules in there that was trying to um, make a connection with Hercules' 12 labors and the sun's passage through the zodiac and the 12 signs, and was making some really interesting connections about how the sun was moving through different constellations. But then there were certain uh, star patterns and constellations that were rising and setting that spoke to many of the the Herculean labors. So that's something I might do a a video on more, a deep dive in that uh, as we go along further. But I did wanna recommend this book, Star Lore, by William Tyler Olcott, because there's just some really interesting uh, stories in there, and it's very thorough. I really enjoy it. Um, One other book that I want to talk about, I know you've been hearing me talk about as we've been doing some philosophical machinations here (laughs) on the show, but this is The Moment of Astrology by Jeffrey Cornelius, and I just recently finished this uh, as of this morning, the main text. I haven't gotten through all the appendices yet, but... um, the main takeaways I could say from the moment of astrology, uh, his his theory or opinion is that astrology is divinatory, and astrology is um, potentially a causal, uh, where it's a it's a, a a system of signs and omens, and we are being guided by a spirit or a daimon that is guiding us towards divine wisdom, and this was the way that astrology was practiced in ancient times. It was. A ritual, and we were asking the uh, the spirit for guidance, and that's something that I've been trying to do in my practice lately: is get back to that ritualistic practice and and really embrace the mystery. And I wanted to share with you something that I was uh, teaching in the past as a songwriting teacher that I thought was really interesting and important. That that was dawning on me as I was reading this when I was teaching uh, songwriting. I used to teach uh, songwriting at community college, and I did that for a, a full Jupiter cycle, about 12 years or so. And, and I've recently kind of moved, moved forward and tried to embrace my astrological practices and moved on as that as my career. Um, but one of the things that I taught with that was this concept of the sculptor versus the midwife. And I wanted to share that because I think that's a really interesting way of, of approaching astrology is we, we look at the technique, we look at our, all of our skills that we gain, and that's the sculptor type of thing. But we have this, this other type of energy that we really have to tap into, the midwife. And what does a midwife do? But a midwife opens her arms or his arms to receive something. So we have to receive the child. So when we're doing astrology, part of the, the, the way that you become good at this art is to learn how to open yourself up To receive the wisdom that wants to come through you as a channel and one of the unique things that makes astrology different than other forms of divination uh, i believe cornelius talked about the ecstatic states uh divinatory ecstatic states which is like filled with spirit or filled with the god or the deity Um, one of the things that makes astrology different is we we still use some of our rational faculties to analyze those symbols and to be able to make choices as to what we're going to share with the clients or what we're going to share with our audience. And that's it's a unique blend of that midwife and sculptor type of energy. It's one of the things I really like. I really like balancing out the right and left brain type of experiences. Um, It's not pure intuition. We have to have some kind of uh, unified system that we're drawing upon. But I just thought that that was Something that I wanted to stress in the in the forecast today, uh, if you're a student of astrology or if you're trying to use this sacred art, and it is something sacred, I wanna I wanna also stress that. Um, I've taken on some students lately that are a little bit younger, and I wanted to. I, the first thing I talked about with them was was stressing that this was something sacred, and this was something that uh, is to be respected and not to be diminished or or thought light of. And uh, I I really feel strongly about that and wanted to share that with all of you as well. So if you're studying astrology, uh, try to learn the technique as best as you can, but leave space is what I'm trying to say. Leave space for spirit to to speak through you, for your intuition to be activated, for some kind of guiding uh, genius to be able to guide you to the wisdom that you are trying to make a connection with one of the really interesting points that Jeffrey Cornelius makes in this book is that in, uh, scientific testing that was done in the seventies, you know, some experiments with astrology where they, uh, you know, asked many different astrologers to make some judgments on a chart. And one of the things that they found was that, uh, some of the astrologers who had less experience performed better than the ones that had a lot more. And that was very puzzling to the people. And, uh, Cornelius goes on to say that uh, some of the realizations that we have, the aha moments, the turning towards truth, can happen whether you have a lot of experience in, in astrology or whether you have uh, very little. And some of the best aha moments that we have when we're studying our own natal chart comes in the very beginning of our practice when we're seeing like, oh, our sun sign means this, and that light bulb goes off, right? Right. And sometimes more and more theory and technique and whatnot, it can help us become more articulate with the way that we express express these things, but it may not always bring us closer to truth. And And I think that's something I'm really trying to embrace as I move forward with my astrological practice. As someone who is very steeped in technique and really appreciates the details, I like to study the details to be able to articulate these things in a more clear fashion. But I wanted to to say that whether you're a beginner or whether you're advanced um, you can still have those moments of realization and you should still pursue those by allowing yourself to become an open channel and how do you do that that's a question i've been asking for a long time i think you do that through having uh, some kind of spiritual practice i think you do that through um, emptying the cup like through things like journaling through things like uh, clearing your mind through meditation when we become uh, an empty cup, so to speak, we allow space for things to come in. Uh, I spent much of the day yesterday cleaning off my phone of old stuff, old emails, old, you know, uh, I don't know, old apps that I wasn't using. And immediately I received some good messaging uh, for, in my email after I had cleaned and made some space for it. So I got some messages that were very positive that I was waiting for. So uh, that's true, I think, with the, you know, interacting with the deity as well, interacting with astrology, you, you become clear, you're able to receive more. Um, so I just want to start off with that this week and give you some of the, the insights I've been getting from this very good book, The Moment of Astrology, and uh, give a shout out to Olcott's book, Star Lore, um, because I've been ordering all these books, but I'm working my way through them and processing through it. If you follow me on my social media um, it's at Spencer Michelle on Instagram and Twitter, uh, I've been posting some pictures of books, book stacks, and whatnot, and hopefully, we'll continue to to uh, channel that info that I'm taking in out to all of you as my audience here. So, I just wanted to start with that, but let's get to the planetary condition report. Okay, all right. So I hope that you're all doing well. I hope that you survived the eclipse. We had that eclipse at 8 degrees of Gemini, the full moon lunar eclipse, which was speaking to some endings. There's probably some things in our life right now that are that are passing out of existence and we're being asked to make changes. And again, as I said in the beginning of the forecast, that might be a little painful. We may be getting a little stuck and reluctant to move forward, but we really have to to bite through. We have to chew on the the tough old meat to, to soften it up. You know, let's think of like, you've got a, uh, a piece of old jerky. (laughs) You've got to really just munch on it for a while to really get it ready to be swallowed. Okay. So if we have an experience that is, is uh, we're trying to process, we've got to work on it a lot, a little bit, and we've got to be willing to, to, to um, process it and let it go. That's part of our nodal access, when we have the north node in um, uh, Gemini here, and the south node in Sagittarius. South node is about processing old things. The north node is about being that hungry, insatiable uh, demon or, or dragon that it can never get enough. So we're trying to, at the same time, consume things, but also process them. All right, so this week, the sun is going to be starting out uh, in the sign of Sagittarius. Actually, it will be in the sign of Sagittarius for the entire week, moving from 15 to 22 degrees. Uh, it will be conjoining the fixed stars, Ras al which is the, the star in the head of Hercules this week. And it will conjoin uh, the fixed star, Ras al-Hag, which is at 22 degrees of Sagittarius. And that is the star... Um, the main star in the constellation Ophiochus, or aka Asclepius, the serpent bearer or the serpent handler. and He was a healer. So we had uh, one particular hero, Hercules, that had to go through many trials to refine his will and to take his instinctual nature and turn it into humility. It's basically the journey of hubris to humility. And then we had another figure that is trying to wrestle with desire, and um, become a healer to heal poisons to heal wounds Uh, asclepius could bring people back from the dead Uh, the gods didn't like that because they thought that he would usurp their power eventually and they they smote him with a, a thunderbolt and but but they said you know we, we still like you, uh, Asclepius, we'll put you, we'll make you a constellation, but you know, maybe stop that, that uh, bringing people back from the dead stuff. <laughs> so that was, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy about the, I don't know, the pettiness of the, of the, the gods in, in Greek mythology sometimes. But anyway, uh, the sun will have triplicity dignity of the fire signs by day. So it does have some dignity in, in Sagittarius. It will be in the terms of Venus from 12 to 17 degrees. It will move into the terms of Mercury from 17 to 21 degrees, and then finally end up in the terms of Saturn from 21 to 26 degrees. The sun is an active player in our week. It's going to be making a number of exact aspects. It's going to square the moon on the 7th, which is Monday. It will then square Neptune on the 9th, make a trine to mars on the 11th and also conjoin the south node on the 11th so a very active week for the sun this may be a time where we're coming into an awareness of what types of goals we want to move forward with in the new year or in the new paradigm that is going to be uh you know unfolding as jupiter and saturn make a conjunction in the first second of aquarius and as that those conjunctions unfold in air signs for the first time in many hundreds of years, albeit with one particular conjunction in the early 80s in, in the air signs that was kind of like a preview, but we're moving from the element of earth to the element of air. So meditate on that. What, what does that mean to you? What are, how are we moving from more of an earth consciousness where maybe we're obsessed with material form or, uh, or material wealth to the wealth that may come through the exchange of information, the wealth that may come through having a little bit less attachment to form, a little bit more freedom of movement, a little bit less solidity, but, but a little bit more freedom. So I, I want, to, want you to think about that as you move forward. How can you uh, allow yourself some of the freedom that you need to move forward? Um, and what, what kind of new containers are you going to be pouring your, your energy your divine nature, your goals, your wishes, your aspirations into? And can they be a little bit more uh, fluid? I guess fluid isn't exactly the right word. I'm trying to find uh, amorphous, gaseous. Can, can they take on a more gaseous form, right? Where we have, uh, we have boundaries, yes, but we can move within them a little bit more um, with a little bit more grace, I guess, without having to be attached with actual form that they take and this we see this with the internet the internet is is a very uh, air like uh, medium okay and and we can see this with like you know sharing our information through videos through zoom through things like that through working from home and having uh, location independent jobs that could be more of the the direction that we're heading with these these air sign type of experiences All right, the sun is also going to be co-present with Mercury this week in Sagittarius and and making that trine to Mars and Aries. Uh, Its host is Jupiter. Now, this is an issue I want to discuss because Jupiter is still in Capricorn, at least for the next uh, few weeks before it transitions into Aquarius, roughly around the, the 17th or the 18th of December. It's still an aversion to the sun. Okay, you can see that here. It's still an aversion. The goals that we're trying to think about now may still be motivated by some of the uh, material desires that we may have. Now, what Jupiter is really, I think, being asked to do is kind of clear the decks. We're really being asked in a Saturnian fashion to get rid of all the things that don't serve us anymore so that we can have this new start and we can create this new paradigm. So again, before you can really move forward and in this transitionary week, I really think it's important to kind of let go of things. It's still a letting go period. And that may feel scary because when we let go of things, we don't always know how we're going to, what's going to replace them. It's, it may be difficult to see into the future and what that all means for us. And that's where the faith comes in. The sun in Sagittarius is really about moving forward with faith. And with Jupiter in in, uh, Capricorn, that that may be challenging. And we're being asked to let go of a lot of things. And we have to have faith that the consolidation and the letting go and the um, passing away of forms is going to lead to some kind of new rebirth and allow us the space necessary to bring in new forms and to bring in new inspirations and to bring in new knowledge. So keep that in mind as we're moving forward. We do have a, a, we're building towards a new moon solar eclipse that's going to happen on Monday the 14th. So that's really what we're building towards, okay, or letting go towards, right? We're going to be experiencing the last quarter and the balsamic moon phase this week. So we're going to be kind of letting go and, and clearing the decks. All right, let's move forward to Saturn. Saturn's moving through the final degrees of Capricorn this week from 28 to 29 degrees. It, like the sun, is moving fast in motion. It will be in its own domicile and in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. It'll be co-present with Jupiter in Capricorn, making an overcoming square to Mars in Aries and sextiling Venus in Scorpio. Uh, It is its own host, so it has access to all its own resources. Saturn is, is the planet right now that's asking us to slow down. It's asking us to restructure our inner worlds, um, to maybe reevaluate who we are on an internal level. A lot of us have been asking us those questions when we, uh, have been, um, almost feels like when we've been abandoned in, in a certain respect from our old lives, our old lives have abandoned us. And through that abandonment, we have to ask ourselves difficult questions. A lot of times when you have Saturn placements in a chart or what, with your Saturn placement in the chart, you may be denied that particular, uh, Energy or the things associated with that particular sign in your youth, and you may have to work long and hard over the course of time or with time or be bound to certain circumstances. That's another energy of Saturn binding. Okay, we're being bound. Saturn was associated with Kronos. Uh, When we can think of that in two different ways, the mythological Kronos, that is the. the, the Titan that swallowed his children, but also Kronos as time. And Kronos as time was married to the, uh, the deity, or the I guess it could be a Titan as well, named Ananke, the spirit, Ananke. And Ananke was that force that compels us. So we are compelled through time to bring things to completion. So th- this is another way to think about Saturn. What is being brought to completion? Okay. And it may be, we may feel that there is a certain identity that's being brought to completion and we're getting ready for a new, a new start. Okay. So go with the process, is what I'm, I'm trying to say. All right. Jupiter is moving through uh, Capricorn and from 27 to 28 degrees, it is moving fast in motion. It is in its fall or its depression. It is very difficult for Jupiter right now to create expansion, to create growth, to create abundance. To create a confirmation is one of the things that Schmidt talks about. It, Jupiter is also a bridge builder. It brings honors. Uh, it brings associations with uh, eminence or with prominent people. So it may be difficult for us to make some of those connections right now. It may be difficult to get credit for the work that we're doing, but we just have to keep grinding it out. That, that credit, that acknowledgement, it will come. But it may come at a later time. Again, this is this is the time where where Jupiter is kind of uh, going. It's at the very bottom of the wheel. It's got it's reached the lowest point in the cycle, and there's nowhere to go but up from here. Okay, so uh, I know we've been really been asked to be very patient, to be very um, frugal with our time and with our resources, but we're we're coming to a point where. Uh, some of that is going to start to shift. Now, it's not going to shift right away towards uh, you know, excess. It's, Jupiter will still be in a Saturn ruled sign in Aquarius, but it'll be a little bit happier. It's going to be in the a diurnal sign, a, masculine, a masculinized sign where it's able to do some things like the sun would do. It's, it's, it's uh, closer to um, being part of the um, well, Jupiter is part of the diurnal sex, so it's when it's in a masculine sign or a masculine gendered sign, it is able to do a little bit more of uh, its significations easier. It's warmed up a little bit by that, that heat, you could say. So uh, don't despair. Ju- if For all of you Jupiterians out there, it's going to get better. Um, it, may be, uh, a, it may be a little bit more time. Um, we are going to dip into Jupiter and Pisces around, uh, I believe, around May next year. So we'll get a little taste of Jupiter in its own domicile. Um, but again, some of the acute pain may may uh, be relieved into more of a dull ache. So I think that, um, I don't know. I think one thing you can do, though, is just have patience with the process and recognize that sometimes that we have to go through some of these things as a society and as a culture before we can uh, move forward with our lives again. And uh, that's what we're experiencing here with Jupiter in its fall. Jupiter will be in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees uh, of Capricorn. It'll be co present with Saturn, its host, and making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries and sextiling Venus in Scorpio. So while Saturn is trying to, is, is, is maltreating mars by that overcoming square okay where saturn is in an earlier zodiacal position than mars like maybe uh that is denying us the freedom of independent action which mars wants to do in aries uh where we're we're able to separate into an individual consciousness uh jupiter is trying to help is trying to bring us uh inspiration but It is in a depressed position, so again, that is going to be, uh, Jupiter is going to move into a sextile relationship with Mars once it moves into Aquarius, and that will be an improvement as well. This is something to keep in mind as we move forward to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Uh, Jupiter and Saturn are going to stop uh, squaring Mars and are going to move into a harmonious sextile position, which is bringing benefits. And that'll be in place until Mars moves into Taurus, but we we'll at least have a few weeks uh, of, of that relationship. So get while well the getting's good at the end of the year before the, the square happens. All right, let's talk about Mars. Mars is moving from 18 to 20 degrees of Aries this week. It will be slow because it is still picking up speed after its direct station. It will be in its own domicile and in its own terms uh, After it moves out of the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees, it moves into its own terms, the terms of Mars from 20 to 25 degrees. It will make an exact trine with the sun on December the 11th. It is receiving that overcoming square from Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn, but making a trine to the sun and Mercury and Sagittarius. It is, of course, its own host. Now, one of the things that will be happening with Mars this week is it'll be moving into the third decan of Aries, which is a little bit different. That's a Venus-ruled Deccan. So instead of being in a, a sun-ruled Deccan where we're trying to establish our autonomy, our authority, our ability to manage our self-created worlds, we will be trying to gain a following and maybe aggressively so. So be careful of, of being overly aggressive about trying to win over the hostile audience, but you may be able to use charisma to, to establish some kind of support system with Mars this, this week once it moves into the third decan. But we'll talk about that more in depth as we get into our daily report. Venus this week will be in Scorpio moving from 19 to 28 degrees. It'll be fast in motion. It'll make uh, conjunctions with the fixed star Unikal High at 22 degrees of Scorpio, which was like the neck or the heart of the serpent in the hands of Ophiuchus. It will also be making in conjunction at 24 degrees of Scorpio with Hadar, which is a star that is in the constellation uh, Centaurus, uh, aka Chiron. So I believe that Hadar was the knee of the centaur, and Ptolemon is the foot. I could have those reversed, but I think that Hadar is the, is the knee. So this could be about, uh, Venus could be you know, tempting us with some kind of serpentine-like temptations over the course of the week, but eventually we have to use our higher selves and our wisdom to move forward and to let go of any bad habits and and learn through that experience, learn through that temptation. Um, Venus is in its exile in Scorpio, but it does have some dignity as the triplicity ruler of uh, the water signs by day, and it will also gain some dignity by face or by decan in the third decan of Scorpio when it moves into that very early in the week. It will be in Venus will be in the terms of Jupiter from 19 to 24 degrees, and the terms of Saturn from 24 to 30 degrees. It makes makes an exact sextile to Pluto in on the 10th of December. Uh, also, it will be making a a sextile relationship by whole sign to to Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn. The host of Venus this week is Mars in Aries. It's in an aversion relationship to Mars and Aries but it will have that mitigating factor of lichen girding the type of dignity where one planet rules two signs and in this case the host of Scorpio is Mars and Mars is uh, in its own domicile, so it is strong right now. And even though Venus can't witness Mars by whole sign aspect, Mars still has some kind of uh, sympathy with the sign of Scorpio and is able to maybe through some kind of back channel provide some resources for Venus. Okay. So, Mercury. Mercury this week is going to be moving through Sagittarius from eight degrees to 19 degrees of Sagittarius. It is fast in motion. It is under the sun's beam. So it is coming into a uh, fastly coming into a conjunction, a superior conjunction with the sun. That's not going to happen until next week. The Kazimi moment doesn't happen until next week, but we should be aware that that's what's happening. The Mercury this week will be making a conjunction at 10 degrees of Sagittarius with the fixed star Antares, the heart of the scorpion. We talked about that a little bit last week with the sun, but we'll dive into it a little bit more, with a little bit more depth in our daily report. Uh, it will also conjoin the fixed star Ross Algethi at 16 degrees of Sagittarius, which is the, uh, the star in the head of Hercules. Mercury is in its exile. Uh, so we're doing mercurial things in a very Jupiterian way. <laughs> so we may be really getting excited about uh, sharing our opinions and sharing our intuitions and sharing our, uh, our viewpoints on things. And instead of asking questions, we may be making statements, which is sort of the difficulty with uh, Mercury in, Ju- in Jupiter signs. So be careful of that. Be careful of flubbing any details and be careful of getting too excited uh, like I don't know if you've noticed today, but i recording this a little bit earlier on the day on Friday. I have a little bit more energy, and um, hopefully I, I will be able to share my, my uh, knowledge without it being too subjective. Uh, but Mercury will be also having some dignity by face in the first decade of Sagittarius. It will be in the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 12 degrees moving into the terms of Venus from 12 to 17 degrees, and then moving into its own terms from 17 to 21 degrees. Mercury will make an exact square to Neptune on the 13th, which is Sunday. So we may have some confusion with our details. We may be uh, having some communication that is based on our hopes, our dreams, our wishes, but we may be uh, blinded a little bit by some illusion as well. We have to make sure that we're Staying grounded and that we are maintaining a sense of reality and a sense of truth uh, that we aren't getting wrapped up in what we want to hear rather than what, what is actually happening. And I've seen that, that playing out in the collective. Uh, uh, we still have uh, some people in power that are acting as if a different reality is happening when uh, some very um, concrete things have begun to happen as far as our election and things like that. Um, we do still have people that are uh, getting, um, I don't know, that are not accepting the reality of, of the coronavirus and the actions that need to be taken to alleviate that suffering in the community. Um, there are some things coming out about vaccines, and I'm sure that there are people that are having lots of dis- disagreements about uh taking that vaccine and who should get the vaccine and all of those things. We're going to see all those themes coming up and people talking about their very strongly held beliefs. So I would encourage you to uh, try to listen as much as you can with Mercury in this sign. Try not to get too um, self-righteous or dogmatic with Mercury in this position. Um, Again, we may feel the impulse to express our opinions very strongly, We may feel the impulse to um, try to convince other people of our viewpoint. But just because we feel that impulse does not mean that we have to act upon it. I want to stress that. With all of this astrology, we may feel compelled to do things in the way that this planet is expressing. The whole point of studying astrology is, is having the awareness of these celestial symbols, maybe these celestial, these this compelling thing that we may be, we may be guided by some kind of planetary daimon to feel or to act upon. But again, this is where your free will comes in. This is where choice comes in. Just because you feel the impulse to share a strong opinion that may or may not be rooted in fact, doesn't mean that you have to you could take a time out and say, I really feel like telling this person that they are wrong and I am right and that they need to do this. And you could sit with that feeling for a little while. Um, I, I have that feeling all the time. And, I, and I'm sure that on this, on this forecast, I've, I've you know, talked about my particular opinions and sometimes I have to take a step back and think about uh, how that may or may not be received and do I act upon those impulses or not? And I would encourage you to do the same. Um, my dad used to tell me, think before you do, and also think before you speak. And, you know, on some level, that gave me a little bit of a complex because I obsessively think about things before I speak or before I do them to the point of having a little bit of paralysis. Um, but as I've moved forward in life, I recognize that that is a gift and that has helped me to make some better choices as I've moved forward with my life. And I would encourage you with these planets that are in exile, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, uh, to really consider whether, with here's how we could do this. With Venus, consider whether the desires that you have are healthy, whether they are serving uh, a relationship whether they are bringing you closer together with people or whether they're based on old temptations or old experiences that need to be composted. In that moment, you may desire something that is past its expiration date, but you can choose to let it go. In the moment, you may have an experience where you are are impelled or compelled to express a very strong opinion that may be based on fear because of Jupiter being in a Saturnian sign or based on uh, a material desire that is not necessarily connected to your higher self. In that moment, you can say, you know what? This may be based on an old belief system that no longer serves me. I can choose to ask questions rather than make a declarative statement. I love asking questions. I love the fact that when when we think we know everything, uh the gods or the the universe the cosmos seeks to humble us this is the the kind of energy of of hercules hercules is opposite orion in the sky and orion was like that base uh bundle of desires of hubris where we were you know pursuing raw instinct you know, remember orion was the deity that are the the a hunter that boasted that he could kill one of everything. And he was so great. And he has his foot in the river, the Eurydonus the whirlpool. And that river takes him on a journey through these, maybe through these trials. Maybe Orion is Hercules in his nascent form, in his seminal form where he's, maybe he has some hubris and he needs to be humbled through all of these uh, experiences. So that's this energy is really strong this week of being humbled and finding your humility. So I would strongly encourage before before you spout your opinion to ask questions, to um, try to ground what you're doing in fact, in uh, you know your how you feel, but also through fact. Remember, I talked last week that science and and spirit do not have to be at odds with one another. They are complementary to one another. Some of the greatest uh, healers in the past, some of the greatest doctors, physicians, scientists were inspired by spirit. And I think that we don't have to discard scientific facts, scientific reasoning to also feel a connection with the cosmos and with the universe and with spirit. Remember, it goes back to that um, to that midwife and sculptor energy. Just because you've been trained in medical te- techniques and medical technology, does not mean that at, in the very moment you may have to use some of your intuition. What I like about learning skills is that you, as a musician, we practiced our scales or we practiced our chords to the point where they became second nature, so that in the moment. You can make a move uh, almost with your, with your subconscious uh, without thinking about it. Like a surgeon is going to make a move. If he sees that a, uh, an, something is happening with a particular blood vessel or something, he may have to make a decision in that moment that's based on years and years and years of experience. But it comes from that, that, that spirit that is animating that knowledge. And it's the same thing with anything that you are doing. It, 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 There is, you practice something so that it becomes second nature. And it's the same thing with taking in facts so that you can then use your instincts. It's not denying facts. It's not denying science. It is working hand in hand with those two things. And I think that that's something that's really important as we move forward into this new reality. Because I know that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a lot of mistrust when it comes to technology new technologies, new scientific things, potentially to vaccines and things of that nature. And I think that we work hand in hand with those things uh, to, to get to the truth and get to a reality that will help us to move forward as a society in harmony, not in conflict, in harmony. Remember, a society is as a, 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 a set of agreed upon rules, agreed-upon realities. We can't have a functional society without some kind of agreed-upon reality. I think that's so important. We have to find some consensus to have a functional society. When we don't have a consensus, that's when we have conflict, that's when we go to war, that's when we have those types of things. So I would encourage you, even if you have some strong opinions, try to find a way that your reality can fit with some kind of consensus reality. That doesn't mean that you have to uh, bludgeon people into conforming to your reality. It means how can you make compromises and how can you come into some kind of compromise to the point where we can live in harmony with one another. So consider that with Mercury and Sagittarius this week. Now the moon this week is going to be waning from the last quarter phase into the balsamic phase, into the dark moon, getting us prepared for that new moon eclipse, this very powerful new moon eclipse that's going to be happening at about 23 degrees of Sagittarius on Monday the 14th, very close to that fixed star, Rossel Haig, which is uh, in that constellation, Asclepius, and Asclepius was the healer. He was able to transmit poison into medicine. So this may be where we're seeing these new medicines being rolled out and finally moving forward from this, this debilitating disease that we've had that's caused so much suffering, so much isolation, so much death uh, on the earth. And hopefully we will start to be climbing out of that and coming back to uh, a time where we can be with one another and be functional as a society again, without um, you know, being afraid that we're gonna catch this very deadly disease. So that's the planetary condition report. The, the, the moon is going to have triplicity dignity in Virgo uh, by being the nighttime ruler of the Earth signs. It will have dignity by face in the first decan of Libra. It will be in its fall in Scorpio and then have some dignity by face, the third face, or, I'm sorry, second face or decan in Sagittarius. All right, that's what we've got for planetary condition. Let's move forward to the daily reports. The daily reports. Oh, let's see. Fired up today. Mercury said Sagittarius. Oh. All right. So I'm going to move to one chart. Um, there was something I was trying to remember uh, as we were moving forward here, but I can't remember. I was going to share one other thing. I can't remember what it is, though. Maybe it'll come to me as we're going through this. (sighs) Thinking out loud. All right. So on Monday, December the 7th, on Monday, December the 7th, we will be beginning the day uh, with a last quarter moon phase with the moon in Virgo. The moon's going to make a trine to Uranus early in the morning. Uh, it will be squaring Mercury at 6.24 AM. And then it will be making a square to the sun at 7.36 PM. Uh, Venus will be moving into the third decan of Scorpio at 11 AM. And we will have a, a fixed star conjunction with the sun at 16 degrees with Ras al which is the fixed star the most prominent fixed star in the constellation, Hercules. All right. At the end of the day, we'll have an opposition between the, the moon and Neptune. And I do remember now what I was trying to remember, which is uh, that I highly recommend one more plug for things that I'm excited about. Uh, the Honeycomb Collective Planner. This is I just ordered another one for myself and for my, my uh, entire family, actually, the, the two other people that live here in my house and uh, I got that as a gift for them but it's a really great planner um, really it personalizes your uh, transits and your chart um, the people are really great about their customer service and things like that they did not pay me to say this although I wouldn't mind it if they wanted me to be a brand ambassador for them <laughs> if they're listening uh, but uh, yeah really great product and I, it's a really great way to, to get, um, to get in touch with uh, what's going on for you in 2021. Um, also, shameless plug before we get into Monday here, if you are ch- wanting to understand what's going on for you in the weeks and months ahead, I do offer three-month-ahead readings and six-month-ahead readings. It's a great time at the kind of the end of the year to get ready for the, the new start at the winter solstice. Um, I do only three- and six-month intervals because my, my forecasts are very detailed, like we do in the weekly forecast, I try to do a similar level of depth with your chart. And I and I feel like taking it in three or six month increments is much more manageable and much more digestible as a, a forecast length. So that's why I offer that. But you can find a link to that in in the description of the video or at my website, com. Click on the book now feature. All right, plug over. <laughs> Let's get back to Monday the 7th. Sorry about that. Um, but sometimes you have to ring the bell a little bit. Anyway, all right. Let's talk about the. Let's talk about Venus first. Venus is going to be moving into the third decan of Scorpio on uh, at eleven o'clock. This decan is ruled by uh, Mars as its host, but its its face rulers are Venus and the Moon. Book T calls it illusionary success. Book of Toth calls it debauchery. Austin Caput calls it a crow. Now, a crow is sometimes distracted by very shiny things. And uh, in this particular deccan, we may be distracted by all sorts of temptations. Um, the, the fixed star Unakahai is prominent in this, in this decan, as well as some of the fixed stars of the centaur. The daimon, the animating spirit, is Kairos, which is opportunity. So we've, we've talked about this particular decan with the sun and Mercury in the past, but with Venus, we may be, uh, well, one of the things we have to recognize is even though Venus is in its exile, we are gaining triplicity, dignity in, in Scorpio with Venus, and this particular uh, face is ruled by Venus. So it does have some dignity, but we have the power to attract to us these kind of forbidden fruits, these, these temptations that may be based on all of these old kind of experiences. The tarot card associated with the third decan of of Scorpio is the Seven of Cups. And the Seven of Cups, we see a figure that is tempted by all sorts of different things with riches, with honors, with lust, with uh, beauty, vanity, um, all sorts of things. So we have to kind of, uh, I think, choose To recognize what types of desires may be uh, serving our higher good, what types of ways that we are attracting things that may be uh, in accordance with our integrity. It may be very easy to abuse the attraction quality when Venus is in Scorpio and especially this third decade. We may use nefarious means to attract. It is a Mars ruled uh, house. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it is a Mars-ruled house after all, is what I was trying to say. Uh, thanks, Mercury in Sagittarius. Um, so we have to be real careful that we are being upfront, that we're not trying to use manipulation to get what we want, that we're not being too aggressive. Venus allows things to come to her. In the myth, she emerges from the ocean and then she is adorned by the graces, by the the seasons, by the nymphs, uh, because she's just glowing with her phosphorescent essence. And when Venus is in a Mars world sign, sometimes we get a little bit too aggressive about going after what we want, and that can lead us to trouble. So, a lot of the times when we're pursuing things that are past their prime, that are based on the past, that are illusions, That causes suffering because we really can't grasp them. They're just these clouds. They're just these, these like effervescences, right? They're these dreams. And when we're trying to hold on to them and pursue them, we're never actually going to be able to grasp them. Okay. Kairos was opportunity, and opportunity had a lock of hair on on his forehead. And not even Zeus himself, it was said, could grasp opportunity from behind. Only when it was the opportune moment from the front, okay? So the way that you deal with opportunity is you prepare yourself so that when opportunity presents itself, you can grasp it. So that's fortune favors the prepared. Opportunities do not just appear out of nowhere. You become prepared for them so that you can act upon them. If you aren't prepared, you'll miss it because you won't be ready. And then when that opportunity is passed, like I said, not even the most powerful deity in the cosmos could, you know, grasp it. So there may be some experiences that you just have to let go of at this point. Maybe you weren't prepared. Maybe you uh, acted on that opportunity and it didn't bring you the satisfaction that you were looking for. And this is a great time to cleanse yourself. Venus at its highest is cathartic where we can mourn the loss of opportunities. That's okay. That's a Venus type of thing. Having a good cry. I think that's Venus cleansing away old desires. That's Venus performing a ritual. Maybe you write down all the things that you are disappointed that you weren't able to achieve in some kind of last cycle or some kind of old life, some kind of, you know, what happened through the Jupiter Saturn conjunctions and earth signs, basically the entire time that you've been alive. All right. What, what types of things were disappointing that you want to leave behind and not necessarily take with you into the new the new reality write them down then burn them tear them up and throw them away that's cathartic you know even just getting it out of your head can help you to release and not to chase things that will cause you suffering chasing things past their prime is what causes the suffering okay we can't escape pain we can't es- escape being afflicted by certain things sometimes but we choose to suffer I'll continue to bang the drum on that, okay? All right, so that's what Venus is doing when it moves into the third decan of Scorpio. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the sun square to the moon, the last quarter moon. Now, any type of last quarter moon is uh, a shifting, an existential crisis that may cause a shifting of perspective. So again, this is the theme of letting go is really prominent with this. We may have some, some ideas that we have to let go of. We may be trying to bring something into form, but we have to refine our vision, okay? Like this is uh, the two cards associated with this are the nine of wands and the nine of pentacles. Nine of wands is the sun's decan right now in Sagittarius. And the nine of pentacles is, is the Virgo Deccan. In the nine of pentacles, in that, in that decan, We're trying to uh, eliminate anything that isn't serving the union of essence into form. So there is a lot of uh, talk about, you know, uh, Hephaestus in this decan, where we have to, through our hard work, we have to pound something into existence, right? We have to refine something so that we can infuse spirit into some kind of physical form. Now, I think in this case, as a last quarter moon, we're real, I think we're trying to sort out in Virgo style, separate the wheat from the chafe, our, our goal, okay? So this may not necessarily be something where you're physically doing something. This is where you're weeding out old belief systems that don't serve this new direction that you want to go in. And again, remember our theme of the week was this, the Six of Swords reversed, and the hexagram 21, biting through. There may be some some resistance to letting go of some of the old life, some of the old belief system, but you have to do it to be able to cross over into the new path, okay? And you do that through just working it through one day at a time, one step at a time, all right? Through having faith in the process, okay? That's the faith part that comes in. This is about unifying Getting, getting close to uh, Sagittarius is about unifying the body and the will, okay? But before we can really make that union, we have to d- sort out in mercurial fashion some of the old ideas, okay? Now, this particular last quarter moon will start out with the sun conjoining the fixed star Ras El And I want to show you that on the star chart here. Um, We have a couple constellations we're working with this week. You can see that the sun here is in between the feet of Ophiuchus, the snake handler, or the snake bearer, the serpent bearer that we see here. This is Ras Haig in his head. And we can also see Hercules right above it in the sky, in this zone, this zodiacal zone that we have here, okay? Now, here is Rasselgethi in the head of Hercules. Now, some interesting things about Hercules. Both Hercules and Ophiolus have their foot upon both a dragon, there's Draco, and the scorpion, okay? So they are trying, there are themes with both of these constellations and both of these heroes of trying to, subjugate desire, okay? Trying to work with these more base, instinctual reactions and come into control of them, to learn humility. It's, it's about strength of character, okay? So Ras Gethi talks about divine service, humility, respecting the natural order of things, restoration of balance, philosophical leanings, being devoted to your goal, okay? There was some associations with the epic hero Gilgamesh, with with uh, gethi and with this particular constellation. That was Gilgamesh was basically a, an even more ancient version of Hercules. Okay, it was I believe the Babylonian version of Hercules. Uh, it could be confusing that with Mesopotamia, but something earlier than the Greek uh, than the Greek experience. So, as we can see here, Hercules is holding some fruit or vegetable matter here, even though he's also holding a club. Now the opposite sign we could see here, and I hope I can do this without my thing just completely going off the rails. You could see here it's opposite is Orion. And you could see here that Orion is also holding a club and holding like the skin of an animal so orion was a hunter and orion through orion has his foot in this river the eridanus you could see that this is one of the longest constellations and it it you know it kind of runs all the way across the sky in a lot of ways and this is the journey from this raw more instinctual energy and the refinement that happens through being challenged through being tested One of the uh, practical contacts I've I've come into awareness of is uh, the NFL quarterback, Colin Kaepernick. He has Saturn right on Ross Algethy, and during his Saturn return, he uh, took a knee. Russ, and this this constellation was called the kneeling one. You could see he's on his knee. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, and he was kneeling for, for devotion to a cause, though, something higher than his own selfish desire. He was actually uh, he basically excommunicated from the NFL because of his belief. But it turns out that he was right. It turns out that he was uh, trying to serve a greater purpose and he basically started a lot of the conversations for the Black Lives Matter movement and being and the the kind of calls for police reform and things of that nature. And he used his platform to to serve something higher than himself. And he showed a great strength of character even in the face of resistance. He played out the Hercules story. Okay. He was tested. And this may be something that we are experiencing when the sun moves into that position in our own lives is we may be tested through trials. Okay, That, that second decan of, of Sagittarius is about being forged in the fire too, uh, through forging our strength of will through being tested. You can see that you have a figure in the nine of wands that is sustained an in injury, but it doesn't look like he's backing down. He's got both hands on that wand and on that staff, and he's ready to continue fighting. He may have sustained a few blows or so, but he's not backing down. And that's the kind of energy that I would encourage you to embrace. Uh, embrace your humility. Think about how what you're doing is serving something higher than yourself. Recognize that you will be tested. You will be challenged. And don't give up. You know, that's, this is where you dig deep into your, your, your heart. And you are trying to fuse that will, that divine vision with some kind of material goal. That you may be uh, pursuing, but again, I want to really stress to for you to really get clear on if this goal serves some higher good. Is it uh, a goal that is sharing wisdom? Is it a goal that is serving your community? Does it fit within the greater good of your world, of your community, or is it a selfish desire? If it's just based on oh, I want my freedom. And I'm going to do whatever I want, even if it hurts other people. That's not a divinely inspired goal. That's hubris. And that is what will be punished. Okay. So consider that as you move forward, choose the path of humility. Hubris will always be punished. And I think that this is something we're coming to as a reckoning, especially in, in the United States, as we have this this real attachment to this kind of uh you know john wayne type of machismo this this false sense of freedom we think that freedom is doing whatever we want without any repercussions or without any rules or without any structure that's not real freedom that's being uh, a prisoner to our desires like the devil card that's we're being chained to to our impulses in that regard and we move forward from that by by humility, by being able to be in command of those things so that we can live within a society that is functional. I hope that that makes sense. And I hope that I'm articulating that properly. But because we're seeing this reflected in the second guessing of the cosmic mind, like Robert Schmidt would like to say, we're seeing that in the omens. We're seeing that in, it's a guide. These omens are guides to what is you know, what types of things we may be feeling, but also what is required of us. It's a map. And we can choose to respond to these things. We could choose to respond to our base uh, desires, or we can choose to rise above it. And I would encourage all of you to transcend. All right. That is Monday. That is Ross Algethi. And I just wanted to show you real quick while we're here. I want to show you, uh, and this is, like I said, this is something I might do a, a a future Deeper Dive individual standalone video on. But I wanted to show you one of the um, the things that we can talk about with these particular stars and the rising of the scorpion and some of the labors of Hercules. All right, so one of the things that we can see is when Scorpio is rising in the east, this gray line is the horizon. This is the eastern uh Part of the horizon over here, where you see the sun. When the scorpion is rising, Orion is setting. So there is ancient myth that is associated with the scorpion killing Orion because Orion is going to be setting and going underneath the horizon and becoming invisible, right? As the scorpion is rising. So the scorpion is chasing Orion. Okay. And this is interesting because, you know, when uh, in ancient times, a lot of the, the both the, um, the solstices and the equinoxes were based in fixed signs. So we had the summer solstice would come based when the, uh, the sun was in the constellation of Leo. All right. So you could see here it was in Leo. And then we had the, the autumnal or the fall equinox when the sun moved into the constellation of Scorpio. So this was the, the scorpion that was bringing death, was bringing the sting to the, to the earth, to the crops, uh, was spreading disease and pestilence and things of that nature. Um, you know, the first uh, challenge of Hercules was the, the uh, slaying of the Nemean lion. Here we could see in Leo. When Virgo starts to rise, uh, the constellation Hydra is also rising at the same time. So he had to, to uh, slay the Hydra And so on and so forth. And again, I'll do a deeper dive in this later, but I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was really cool. And just to to show you that if you want to be a great astrologer, if you want to be a great divinatory oracle, most of classical mythology throughout many different cultures is based on observation of the sky and based on the relationship between the sun and other constellations Uh, The relationship of how high it is in the sky, how low it is in the sky, whether the days or the nights are equal in length, or whether they are uh, much longer than the other, and the transitions between those. And I I think that every astrologer should start with sky observation, okay? And to, to really, this is something I was working with a student this week, and we, we just started with observing the sky, with knowing what the ecliptic was, this green line, knowing what the celestial equator was, knowing what the horizon was and all of these things, and really getting that solidified into our minds. All right, so let's move forward to Tuesday uh, the 8th, and I'm going to go back over to my chart here. All right, on Tuesday, December the 8th. Uh, The moon is going to move into Libra after spending most of the day in Virgo uh, at 7.01 p.m. So we have most of the day with a Virgo moon, continuing our last quarter phase. We're going to have a sextile with the moon to Venus in the morning. We're going to have trines to Pluto and Jupiter uh, over the course of the day, and then a trine to Saturn in the evening before the moon moves into Libra. And in the evening supper hours. Uh, we have a couple of Mercury things that are going on on Tuesday the 8th. Mercury is going to move into the second decan of, of Sagittarius very early in the morning, around 12.33 a.m. In, in Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and then it will conjoin the fixed star Antares. All right, so let's talk about second decan of Sagittarius briefly here. We, we, we started to t- discuss this yesterday in our, in our breakdown of the last quarter moon, but this is a, a decan. Uh, it is, of course, ruled by Jupiter throughout the entire sign, but the face ruler is the moon in the uh, Chaldean order system, and it is Mars in the, uh, the triplicity system, so moon-Mars type of energy, right? So we may be feeling some challenges to the body, where we have some injuries to the body. The moon representing the body, Mars representing, you know, uh, still still wanting to fight or sustaining some sort of misfortune. Okay, uh, Book T calls this great strength, and the Book of Toth calls it just strength. Austin Coppa calls this deck in the bridle. So this is where we are trying to direct the body towards our will, and. The, um, the daimon or spirit associated with this is Corae or Persephone. The two fixed stars we've been talking about in this decan are Antares at 10 degrees and Ras at 16. Now, this decan, uh, Mercury moving through this decan, may inspire us to get fixated on a certain belief system, especially when it makes a contact with Antares. If we go back over, so you could see here, Mercury is at 10 degrees Sagittarius, you know, conjoining Antares. And going back to our star chart again, here's Antares. It's the heart of the scorpion. It is intensity. It is a consolidation of that scorpionic intensity. And it, it, you know, Antares was a royal star of Persia. It marked out one of the four directions that I was just talking about. It was the watcher of the West, which represented the ancient fall equinox. The other royal fixed stars were Aldebaran, which was opposite Antares, in the, it was the eye of the bull that marked out the spring equinox, the return of the light, birth, uh, and then we had the summer solstice, which was associated with Regulus in the heart of the lion, and then we had the winter solstice, which was associated with Fomalhaut, um, the, uh, the the mouth of the fish. Okay, so all of those stars have precessed into uh, into cadent signs now and into mutable signs, but they used to be in fixed signs, and those, that was the cross of matter that we were uh, trying to understand in ancient times. So this is about the, the uh, letting go form, the, the sting, the consolidation of death. Um, there were, the Persians thought of this as the star of Yima, the god of death. And we have to really be careful that we don't seek intensity just for the purpose of intensity. All right. We, that this, this was associated with ruthless passion, with militant ferocity, mental obsessions, fixating on some sort of thought. So we could get really fixated on some sort of thought that is not necessarily in our best interest that, because there's some self-undoing parables through the, the myth of the scorpion and the frog. You know, the story goes that the, the scorpion wanted to cross a river and it came across a frog that was sitting on the shore And he said, frog, can you take me across this river? You can swim. I can't. And the frog said, I don't know, scorpion, you're dangerous. And I don't want to die. And I don't know about this. And scorpion's like, no, 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 it's fine. And over the course of their journey across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog is very betrayed. It feels like a betrayal. And it's like, you know, scorpion, why did you do this? We're both going to die now. And the scorpion says, it's, I couldn't help it. It's in my nature. And they both drown. So there is some, some self-undoingness about inappropriate intensity. You don't have to sting the people that you're working with to get your point across. Or you both might suffer. You, you might not accomplish what you're trying to do through that inappropriate uh, lashing out. Okay. So we have to return to objectivity with Mercury on the fixed star Antares. Our, we can't use our words as weapon we, weapons. We need to use our words to inspire and to uplift. When we use our words as weapons, that that is the opposite of what we're trying to do. Remember, there was always a nemesis that we had to overcome with these royal fixed stars of Persia, and with the Antares, it's it's that inappropriate intensity, like seeking vengeance or seeking to sting somebody. Okay, Antares will will grant great power if we can overcome that intensity. Now that great power, I think, will come through balance, through relaxing and through allowing what needs to happen to happen. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, focus some of that energy, but focus it in the right way. All right. So that is what's going on on Tuesday, the 8th. We'll return to our chart and move forward to Wednesday, Wednesday, Yeah, this may be, you know, Tuesday, just maybe a day where where we have really strong opinions and we really have to watch ourselves and watch the way that we communicate. Um, Again, I would really think before you speak, uh, see if you can ask some questions before you lash out. If someone says something that you don't like or that you didn't want to hear, get some clarification. A lot of the times we will lash out because we don't completely understand what the other person is trying to say. And we can, we can clear that up through asking questions. One of the four agreements is don't make assumptions. And I, I think that that, will, that can alleviate a lot of suffering and a lot of misunderstandings because misunderstandings could be pretty prevalent with Mercury and Sagittarius as they are when Mercury is in uh, Pisces as well, the other Jupiter ruled sign. All right, let's move forward to Wednesday. On Wednesday, December the 9th, uh, the moon starts out in Libra. We're continuing our last quarter phase. The moon is going to be sextile Mercury at 4.12 p.m. The big aspect of the day is the sun is going to be squaring Neptune at 2.40 p.m. We do also have one fixed star uh, conjunction with uh, Venus conjoining the fixed star Una Kalhai, which is the neck of the serpent that Ophiuchus was trying to uh, restrain. So this may be a time where we're wrestling with our desires, where we are really trying to understand what we want and have an awareness of any illusions that we may be falling prey to, Uh, with the sun squared Neptune, there's a couple things that could happen. Now, remember, the sun and Neptune are both in Jupiter-ruled signs, and Jupiter is still in that Saturn-ruled house in its depression. So a lot of the beliefs that we may hold right now are not necessarily based on our on our divine wisdom and our higher self. They may be based on material fears that we have, uh, where we are afraid that we're not going to have enough, or we're not going to have freedom, or we're going to be restricted in some ways. And that fear is not necessarily based on the higher truth. That fear is based on some uh, erroneous material reality. Okay. And we have to consider that with this Neptune square. Now in this square, we may feel some... Uh, zealous uh zealotry okay some crusading type of energy but it may be based on idealism or an illusion maybe based on a neptunian desire to transcend our reality altogether and not deal with it and to escape into some kind of fantasy so this is this is a conflict between the outer action that we're taking and the inner journey that we are being asked to do also with neptune okay like I would say that Saturn, I'm sorry, that Sagittarius is, is kind of the, the outer goals that we're moving towards, the visible ones. And Pisces is reflective of the inner journeys. And there may be something that's at odds right now. We may have an inner belief system that is at odds with the outer reality that we're trying to move to towards at the moment. We may have a diluted self-image. We may be confusing uh, a sense of purpose right now, moving towards a purpose that isn't based on, on actual truth. So uh, ch- try to really get clear, ask for some feedback, try not to get diluted or, or it fall to the trap of self-deception or escapism. Um, make sure that you are, uh, whatever you're doing has a real connection to a higher purpose rather than just a diluted purpose. This could also lead to a feeling of loss and vitality or a, a, a desire to leave the body, um, you know, the sun is associated with our vital essence, our vital force. And when it makes a hard, hard aspect with Neptune, we could just be losing steam or maybe, you know, feeling like we're trying to move towards a goal, but it's, it's like, oh, it just seems so vast. It just seems like we want, are getting lost in the ocean of consciousness. And how are we ever going to achieve this dream? And I will say that the, this is also part of that last quarter moon. I think the key is to break it down into small pieces. You don't have to achieve the entire dream at once. Sometimes you have to break it down into manageable, digestible, small, daily, hourly, minutely actions. One of the things that's been working really well for me as far as I've been getting more productive is that I will set a timer and I will set a timer for like 40 minutes at a time. And I say, I'm going to concentrate on this for 40 minutes and then I'm going to take a break. And that really takes a lot of the pressure off of me to like have to do it all at once. And it says, okay, I know I'm going to really focus for this amount of time, and then I'm going to take a break. So that may be one way to get through some of this confusion that we may be coming across. Now, with the, the Venus on Unakalhai, you could see this. I'm going to move forward to uh, the ninth. Okay. So here is Venus, and here is the neck of the serpent right? So you could see that by projected ecliptical degree, they are in a conjunction. Now, this may be where we're just really wrestling with those old illusions, those old temptations. And again, there's an opportunity through wrestling with those. And the opportunity is to shed the the skin of the snake. The snake was a powerful symbol for rebirth. And this may be a time where in any Venus ruled area of our chart, we may be really trying to come to a rebirth and shed that old skin. So again, I will, I will reiterate, uh, we can choose to suffer. We can't avoid always the pain or the, the afflictions of this earthly experience, but we can choose to let go. We can choose to trust in the, the plan, that there is a plan, and have faith even if we can't see how it's going to turn out in the end, we can take the next action. We can take the next step. That's how I would deal with this this Sun uh, Neptune square and with Venus on unakahai Take the next step. Let go of the things that aren't serving you anymore. Make sure that you're dealing in reality, that you're dealing in in facts, and not some BS facts that you found on Breitbart or something like that. Like I had uh, a good friend of mine tried to uh, tried to talk about his argument, and he quoted. A, a very alt-right newspaper source um, with alternative facts, or whatever they want to call it. And it was disappointing seeing uh, a very um, misogynistic, right-wing, um, you know, racist source being cited with someone that I really respect and who I think that doesn't. I don't think necessarily. I hope don't doesn't hold some of those viewpoints. Um, but I think that there is this crossover lately between some people that uh, are attracted to new age philosophy and some of these conspiracy theory type of things. And it comes through um, your ability to see beyond the uh, objective truth. And that is both a gift and, and it can also be a temptation to, to, to get uh, misguided. Um, for those of you out there who may have some of those tendencies, and again, I, I wouldn't say that I'm completely immune to it, um, but I've been trying to stay grounded. I don't want my ability to, to have what we could call second sight or the ability to find meaning behind the literal interpretation of something to, to, to allow me to completely discard literal literalness. I think that we can get a, addicted to discarding literal things in search of higher truth. We can get addicted to spirituality. And I think that there are times we have to accept the facts of things. We have to accept the reality of things. We have to accept the things that our scientists tell us. Not everybody is trying to mislead us. I'm gonna say that over again. Not everybody in the news, in the media, in the government is trying to mislead you. Are there people that are trying to mislead? Yes. Are there people that abuse their power? Of course. Do we have a society, a society that is inequitable for a lot of people and that is, needs to be reformed and needs to be changed? Absolutely. But you have to be able to, to discriminate between the things that are actually out there to help you and to protect you and the things that are being abused and (laughs) Breitbart's not the that's not the source. Okay, I'm just I'll just just tell you right now. That's a completely subjective uh, source run by a guy named Steve Bannon, who is very racist and very misogynistic, and very hurtful to a lot of people. And, you know, I, I don't know. I hope that as we move forward through this time period, that if we do want to do our own research quote unquote like people who uh, have been talking about a lot of conspiracy theories that they actually will cite sources that are legitimate and not ones that are steeped in uh, agendas one thing i will recommend if you want to to quote unquote do your own research there is a good site called um, all sides media and what they do is they they show you articles from Uh, a more conservative source, a more liberal source, a more centrist source. They try to to, uh, bring as much objectivity as they possibly can to the reality of the news story. And uh, and it's a really great exercise in trying to to figure out what the reality is because this I think is going to be the challenge of moving forward into the the Jupiter-Saturn cycles in air signs is how do we become more objective? How do we? Uh, we're going to be battling over truth, and it's really frustrating. I think to see the um, the solidity of truth being just you know cast into the air. <laughs> like it's, that's one of the downsides of the movement to air. Is now everybody and their and their brother and sister can have a an opinion about what is truth and what isn't. And I guess that's the way that we live as human beings in general but i think that we're taking it to extremes especially as pluto and jupiter were coming together we we saw the extremes of that and hopefully the jupiter saturn conjunction will lead to a little bit more objective thinking and an ability to really kind of balance out our ability to accept some of the literal reality that we have to live within but but also still be able to see meaning behind things again it's both you cannot discard your uh Experience as well, and I will also tell you, your experience may be different from someone else's experience, and that's okay. I, I want to make that clear too. Just because you haven't been affected by something doesn't mean that someone else hasn't. Just because you didn't lose a loved one from this disease doesn't mean that two hundred and fifty thousand people didn't. You know, I, I I can't stress that enough. Just because. You want to feel safe going out somewhere. doesn't mean that everybody does. So I, I, I want to stress that as we move forward and we continue to try to figure out how to get back to us a, a functional society. We don't want to get back to an a, a inequitable past, but we do have to, to return from our journey here through, through the COVID experience, through our social distancing experience hopefully learn, learning something, hopefully having found humility, hopefully having found respect for one another, that we are all in this together. Now I'll, I'll say that again for emphasis. We're all in this together. Hopefully this new era shows us that one person's actions does have an effect on the collective, and the, the effects of the collective do have you know, repercussions for one person. And I think that's really the lesson of the next 250 to 300 years is learning that we are connected and learning that we, we aren't just these individual points. Yes, we are on some level, but we're connected to a a, a collective as well. And how do we balance that out? And how do we not lose our sense of individuality within the collective? That's, that'll be a challenge too. How do we not get homogenized into a collective or have you know, our basic, you know, some of our basic rights not, not taken for granted? Again, these are discussions that we will have to have as we move forward to find the right balance of all of these things. And it comes through balance. It doesn't come through extremes. A functional society is a balanced society. Not an extreme one. So sometimes though, some extreme measures do have to be taken in the beginning to, to right an imbalance. And right now there's a huge imbalance about, you know, the health of our of our nation and of our world. And there might be some what feel like extreme measures take need to be taken in the future to, to bring it back into balance. So just continue to have discussions. Don't don't close your ears off. Ask questions. Get get as many different perspectives as we possibly can. Don't discard material and literal reality completely. It's very important that you do that or not do that, because it's there is still some something to be gleaned just from the basic literalness of things. Okay, this is coming from a Taurus Moon here, people. Okay, like. One foot in the sky, but one foot on the ground. You gotta stay grounded. You gotta, you gotta, you know, live this earthly experience. It's not separate. We are, you know, vehicles for spirit. And you gotta pay attention to the vehicle too, not just the the the, the spiritual essence. The vehicle is important. You gotta protect that vehicle. All right, let's move forward to Thursday. All right, on Thursday, on Thursday, December the 10th, the moon is moving from Libra into Scorpio at 8.58 PM. So most of the day in Libra, but then the moon moves into its fall uh, later in the evening, continuing the last quarter phase. We have a number of aspects on Thursday, a sextile to the sun very early, uh, an opposition to Mars, and then a square to Pluto throughout the morning. So that's before the, the, the moon changes signs. We will have a square to Jupiter and to Saturn in the evening hours, and then the moon will move into Scorpio later. We do have a a sextile between Venus and Pluto at 6.52 a.m. at 23 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn, respectively. Now, Venus will also be conjoining the fixed star Hadar, which is in the constellation Centaurus. So let's talk about that real quick. So here we go. We have Centaurus. You can see this. Let's move forward to the tenth. Now we can see uh, Venus right here. Projected ecliptical degree is in the close to the uh, star in the the foot. I believe this is the foot of this. No, this is the knee. Now it looks like the foot, but it's not. It's the uh, it's the knee. Um, it's also called Agena. And uh, here's, this is, I believe this is Ptolemon, which was the foot. So they drew it kind of weird, but this was the knee and the foot. Okay. Um, so Hadar is kind of about connecting and being attracted to with Venus. Uh, common sense, common sense wisdom. I love this. Uh, we could be glamorizing things like teaching since uh, Chiron was the centaur, the teacher. Um, we could be making some kind of art that resonates with the public. But I think the the theme of common sense is definitely something I would want to uh, highlight because I just got done talking about not uh, discarding your own common sense when it comes to to issues uh, and, and whatnot. Um, also, to be a functional society, there will be times where we will have to conform. And I know that that's tough. That's tough because we all want to be special and we all want to do w- whatever we want to do. but. There will be times where conformity is necessary. That doesn't mean that you have to completely conform uh, every single thing about yourself and lose your identity. There's, again, it's a balance, okay? Balance is the key. Common sense, grounded, practical wisdom is the key. Now with uh, Venus making a sextile to Pluto, this may be a time where our emotions become more intense. We may feel a little bit obsessed about certain things that we're attracted to, uh, a compulsion towards some of those Temptations we are talking about in the third decan of Scorpio. Um, we may be drawn to things like you know the dark side of things. Uh, we may be also drawn to things that may not be in our best interests. We may be tempted to use emotional manipulation to get what we want. Um, there be themes of Hades and Persephone. You know, Hades uh, abducted Persephone into the into the underworld forcefully. So try not to be forceful about getting your desires met. Um, There may be some jealousy that comes up with this, this aspect. Again, the, the way to use this one, I think, uh, from your higher purpose is to allow the transformation process to happen. This may be a time where you're really getting in touch with the things that don't serve you. You may be getting a lot of wisdom from that, that conjunction with Hadar and making a sacrifice. Look at, look at what Chiron's doing here. He's bringing a sacrifice to the altar. Think of this letting go process as a sacrificial type of offering to your future self, okay? So if there's some sort of desire that isn't serving you anymore, offer it up on the altar. You know, burn it. Write it down and burn it. Uh, in, you know, write in your journal, you know, crumple the paper up, rip it up, whatever it is, whatever ritual that you need to do to let go of that so that you can move forward with your life. All right. So that is Thursday. Well, let's move forward to Friday. On Friday, December the 11th, uh, the moon's going to start out in Scorpio, and we're going to begin the balsamic moon phase. So this is where we're consolidating all the wisdom of the the previous lunar cycle into a seed that we can plant at the new moon. And this new moon is going to be a big one. It's going to be the new moon solar eclipse that is going to happen at 23 degrees of Sagittarius on Monday the 14th. And it's going to be very close to the south node. So this is one where where you know the closer the eclipse is to the node, the the more intensely it is felt. Okay, this it'll be a total. I believe it'll be a total solar eclipse. Um, we will have an opposition from the moon to Uranus at 8:43 a.m. on Friday, and then the other things that we're experiencing is the sun will be conjoining the south node exactly around 8 a.m., and then it will be moving into the third decan of Sagittarius at 9:16 a.m now before all of that happens at one o'clock in the morning the sun will make a trine an exact trine to mars um and the only other thing of this day is mercury will be conjoining that fixed star ross El in hercules that we've been talking about the kneeling one so let's break all of that down the sun conjoining uh the south node so this may be where we're releasing outdated identities. This is the, it could be the fall of the king. Um, the sun was associated with royalty in, in the tradition. Um, it may be a time where you're just feeling a little bit of, um, I don't know, like a loss in vitality. The south node was a kind of a, I hate the word portal, but it, it sort of was a portal that where energy was going out. Forms were going out. Because these are the nodes of the moon, they're associated with physical form and material reality, and you know the, the South node is like a drain where the North node is like the spigot, okay? Where things are coming into existence or we have the desire to bring things into existence. Now, in this case, we may be seeing a separation of form. So think about the, the area that the sun rules in your chart. And there may be something that is, we're, we're releasing in that regard. Now with the trine to Mars, we may be feeling uh, a desire to move forward with our sovereign abilities, this may be the severing quality that helps us release some of those old belief systems so that we can start to create a new world. Okay. We can start to create our new reality. And there's something there may be a harmonious discussion between the sun and Mars that helps us to let go of those old belief systems. Now when the sun moves into the third decan of, uh, Sagittarius, this is a Saturn ruled decan. It, it was, it was dually ruled by Saturn and the sun in the, uh, both the Chaldean and the triplicity system. It's associated with the 10 of wands in the tarot. This is a tough card. This this is called oppression in Book T and Book of Toth. Austin Coppock calls it a horse's skull. We've got the fixed stars, Rasul Haig, and then Aculeus and Acumen at 26 and 29 degrees of Sagittarius, respectively. Those were stars in the stinger of the scorpion, um, having to do with criticism one of it is constructive criticism and the other is criticism that that tears us down so this this is a a decan where uh the, the the daimon or the spirit was ananke we talked about ananke in the planetary condition report but ananke was was the the spirit that compels us to do things where it was married to chronos the chronos of time And both of them constricted themselves around the cosmic egg to to bring things to conclusion. So this is also the decan, this is the last decan before the return of the light. Now let's go over to our star chart and break this down in regards to, to how we may be experiencing this. Now what we're experiencing, let's go to noon. I want to show you this. So you can see that at the winter solstice around the 20th or 21st, the sun is at its lowest point in the sky. This, if this is the horizon, this gray line, the sun over the course of the day will rise to its culminating point, Okay, to, to like the noon point in the, the sky, the highest point. But that highest point is the lowest that it'll be all year. So this means that the, it, the night is the longest and that we have the return of the light. You can see that over the course of many days, if we go back in time, all right, the days are getting uh, still shorter, but here they start to return. The, the path of the sun is rising towards that celestial equator till we get to the spring equinox when the days and the nights are equal. Okay, what is going on here? Sorry, maybe I was going back in time. That's the fall equinox. Let's go forward in time, (laughs) sorry, if you're confused. So here we have the the December winter solstice, right? right here. And as we move forward in time, the days will start to increase. The sun will start to rise in the sky until we get to the spring equinox around march the 20th okay and then if we go even further we'll get to the solstice you can't even see it on my chart anymore that's where the sun's at the highest point and then it starts to de- descend again so when we are at third deck in sagittarius okay we're going to be right about here okay and there's our eclipse okay this is the final moments the final descent before we start to rise again. So this is the end of our year. A lot of traditions thought of the new year, okay, on the winter solstice. This whole like January 1st new year is not really new year. New year is the solstice. This is the return of the light. Everything is starting again. We're, we're ascending once again, but we're trying to complete things in the third decade of Sagittarius. And it may just feel like a a burden, a weight, you know, like we're carrying the load and we're, we're getting barn eager. That's my favorite word for this Deccan, Barn eager, and that was an old timey d- term uh, in reference to a horse that is recognizing after a very long journey the, his surroundings about being close to home. So we may be getting barn eager to finish up this year and to get get on with the next thing. You know, get get forward to this new administration out of this whole like this this nightmare we've been living with all this Trump stuff and whatnot, you know, get out of this COVID thing, get moving forward with all of our lives again and whatnot. So we're going to have to carry the load though. We are being compelled to complete something. We are pushing the body to its limit. We're pushing our patients to its limit. Probably it's probably pretty tough to, to maintain the discipline necessary to still social distance and to not off and do a bunch of things that we want to do. And I, I, I empathize with that. I'm getting a little tired of isolation, but we've really got to have the discipline to get to the finish line here. This is, can show us the price of our obligations with Saturn as its face ruler. may feel like we're carrying a heavy load, but we have to do what must be done. This is the time for us not to give up, to, to take it to the finish line. Okay? this is This is where we are embracing a non-K to compel us to, to completion. Um, we have to follow through on our chosen goal. That may require some sacrifice for that external completion. There is always a sacrifice associated with the final decans of cadent signs. There's sacrifice in the final decan of Pisces. There's sacrifice in the final decan of Virgo. There's sacrifice in in the final decan of Gemini. And you could see that in the tarot cards. There's always some sacrifice that's happening, okay? So this is a, a time to marshal your resources and to do what is necessary to get the job done. And my partner has the Sun in the third decan of Sagittarius. And I'll tell you what, she works really hard and she does a lot of stuff that she doesn't wanna do, it's hard to get her to stop working, you know? It's hard to get her to not feel responsibility for doing things. She's a, a very responsible person and takes on the weight of a lot of other people's loads. And she has, in the past, she's taken on jobs that when she finally left an organization after improving it, they gave her job to three different people (laughs) so and it's happened i would say four or five times in her life where she's you know gotten involved in an organization been given all this work uh the place was better off when she when she moved on to something new but then the work that she did could not be done by just one person it was had to be done by multiple people and that's the type of energy that you may have to exert in this particular uh decan is you may have to take on the weight of other people's burdens, but you're doing it for a purpose, for a cause to get back to that moment of ascension. And uh, acknowledge the late degree Sagittarians in your life because they're probably putting a lot of pressure on themselves. One of the things that you can do for them when I'm gonna guess what their love language is, is acts of service. I know my partner's is, and I try my best, but my love language is words of affirmation and quality time so it's sometimes we are not necessarily speaking the same language uh, but with a little time and effort you can you can get to a realization right um but you know doing things for them taking a little bit off of their plate taking a little bit of a burden off of their you know their load whether they you know when it, whether it's really theirs to carry or not you can you can guarantee that they're probably going to try to carry not only their own burdens, but other people's. And there is some beauty in that because you know that they, you can rely on them, but um, sometimes they can work themselves to just complete and utter exhaustion. And we may be feeling a little bit of what it's like working ourselves to utter exhaustion with the sun moving into the third decade. All right. Now, the other only a la- the last thing that's happening on Friday, the 11th, is we are seeing. Uh, Mercury conjoining Ross al-Hag, which is that fixed star in the head of Hercules that we've broken down when the sun was conjoining it. But uh, some, some interesting maybe uh, significations that are just more mercurial in nature. Uh, this may be where we have to communicate our divine mission, where we have to maybe question our purpose. Mercury is throwing things into question. You may be questioning or discussing the ethics or the morality of what the, you, you want to do. Uh, this may be a journey that you're trying to take that where you're trying to come into hubris from, from uh, or t- sorry, trying to come into humility from hubris, okay? Uh, where you're going through some trials, uh, where you are uh, potentially trying to wrestle with desires. Both of these figures, Hercules and Ophiuchus at various times were associated with Adam in the biblical story. And here we have the snake in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, we have the, this could be considered the serpent in the Garden of Eden too. Like there's just very various uh, reflections of that same story. All right. So try to get clear on what you're trying to do. Make sure that it's in service of, of both your community and a higher divine ideal and not some selfish or or something based on fear and have trust in the process. All right. Um, with the sun trining Mars on that day, this we may be taking some rash actions. Try not to get too uh, fixated on like uh arrogance or belligerence or, or the surge of energy like Achilles or, or Hercules or, or Little John and Robin Hood. Um, this may lead to a little bit of a excessive heat, but some of that might be necessary to move you forward. So be discriminant about what that excessive heat is to actually move you forward towards your goal or what may be leaking out as far as uh, something that may harm others. So, so that's something to keep in mind on Friday the 11th as well. All right, let's move forward to Saturday the 12th and finish up with our weekend. All right, on Saturday, 12.12, the moon will be moving from Scorpio into Sagittarius at the end of the day at 9.39 p.m., continuing the balsamic moon phase. Um, We're going to have a trine between the moon and Neptune at 2.35 a.m. Um, We're going to see the moon sextile Pluto and conjoin Venus over the course of the day and then make a sextile to Jupiter and Saturn uh, towards the end of the day before it moves into Sagittarius at 9:39 39 p.m. Um, the big news of Saturday is this Mars is going to be moving into the third decan of Aries at 4:41 a.m. Now Mars is still in its own domicile but it is moving into the face of Venus. Uh, we have an association with the four of wands where we see you know, two figures that are like bound in, I guess, marriage or celebration or something of that nature. Uh, the book T calls this perfected work, book book, Book of Toth calls it completion, and Austin Coppet calls it the burning rose. The daimon or spirit associated with this is Eros or Cupid, uh, as another word for Eros, which shoots the the arrows of desire and sets hearts aflame. Um this could be a decan where we are trying to win over some kind of hostile audience through either our charisma or through our humor. Um, we're trying to inflame others' desires and create a following. We've decided who we are and what we wanna be in the second decan. We've created that, that, that individualized world and identity. And now we're saying, this is who I am, please love me. You know, We may be trying to influence people towards that or please follow me or please you know, give me sovereign authority uh, this, this is a decade of, of sex appeal, of lust, charisma, dramatic courage, okay, where you're trying to rally the troops. Uh, think of like, uh, what is that? Uh, what's his name? Mel Gibson in, in um, what the hell is that movie called? <laughs> like, uh, where he's like Wesley, I was gonna say where he's Wesley Willis. <laughs> I think that's it. Wesley Willis was like uh, this guy in the early aughts, late 90s that made these really interesting synth things. But um, Wesley Wallace, is that his name? I think it's Wallace. Yeah. From uh, Braveheart. That's the movie I'm trying to think of. Thank you. Sorry. It's getting close to lunchtime. (laughs) So where he's trying to rally the troops to, to war through his charisma, through inspiring them. So think about if you are starting a new identity or starting a new project and you need to gain some kind of followers or support, this may be something that you could manifest with Mars moving into the third decan of Aries. Um, you know, I believe that Marilyn Monroe had Venus in this particular decan. So she used her glamour and charisma to, her, to gain a following. But in this case, it's Mars. So this may be we take actions to gain that following. We actively do it we actively shoot our arrows towards people and say, hey, this is good, you should like this too. <laughs> like, but again, be careful that you don't force people over to your uh, viewpoint because that could be dangerous and allow people, some people to have their own uh, opinions and viewpoints without trying to like bulldoze over them. That's, that's something I would encourage you not to do. All right, let's move forward and finish this thing up and I'll go eat some lunch and you can get on with your day. On December the 13th, Sunday, the moon is going to start out in Sagittarius. This is the final day of our balsamic moon before our new moon solar eclipse that happens on Monday the 14th. Um, We are going to see a square between Mercury and Neptune at 6.38 a.m. at 18 degrees of Sagittarius and Pisces, respectively. And then the sun will be conjoining the fixed star Ras al Haig at 22 degrees of Sagittarius. Now, with this Mercury-Neptune square, This may be where we're, you know, trying to tap into our intuition and our insight, but we may have some confusion and we may be flubbing important details. There may be some missing information. We may be communicating with some kind of religious uh, zealousness, um, very subjective thinking, uh, where we are trying to, um, you know, we're trying to hash things out and we're mashing everything up into some kind of soup. This could be where you're experiencing some kind of surrealism or some kind of stream of consciousness uh, where you don't know exactly where these thoughts are coming from, but, but they may be coming from some kind of source type of thing. Now, I wouldn't necessarily follow all of these source types of thoughts um, because they may be presenting you with some kind of fantasy or some kind of illusion. Uh, the daimon, according to Jeffrey Cornelius, is not always speak uh, truth. Sometimes we're led by a, a bad diamond, a mollusk daimon. Um, this is associated with the 12th house, the things that pull us off of our course. So be careful that you're not being pulled off course by a tricky, a tricky little daimon or a tricky spirit or the, the little devil on your shoulder, right? This could be where the, you know, the diamonds are kind of like the muse or the, the conscience. I think your con- conscience is a good way to look at it. And we've got the devil and the angel on our shoulder. And with Mercury Square and Neptune the, the devil may be up to the little devil maybe maybe trying to you know be up to something maybe maybe trying to bring some trickery or some mirages into the into the to the experience um, so be careful of that with the Sun conjoining the fixed star Ross El Haig at 22 degrees of Sagittarius we'll look at our star chart and we will see that Ross El Hague is right here in the head of Ophiuchus, and you can see that the sun is projected ecliptical degree in conjunction with it. Now, Ophiuchus was the healer, also known as Asclepius, and he transmits poisons into medicine. He's wrestling with desire, wrestling with the snake, and he had unique abilities as a healer. Uh, he was the, the surgeon on the Argo, the ship of uh, Jason, um, and he was, had legendary skills, healing abilities, where he could bring people back from the dead. And this was something that uh, made the gods a little bit nervous because they were like, oh, my goodness, Asclepius is going to, uh, is going to usurp us and have more power than we are. Uh, and they were like, nope, we're not going to allow him to do that. And they smote him with a thunderbolt, but took some pity on Asclepius and put him into the sky as a constellation. So this may be where we're getting an awareness of new healing modalities, alternative medicine. Um, one of the things that's been talked about by various astrologers, I believe uh, the astrology podcast has been discussing this too. I actually have not had the chance to listen to that in quite some time just, just by doing my own stuff here and trying and maybe not, I don't know, trying to, to get my own thoughts on some things before I listen to other things. But uh, it was told to me that, that they were discussing this too, that part of the eclipse and part of the um, sun being conjoining Ross El Haig could have to do with uh, new vaccine information, new medicines, new ways of healing the pandemic that come out. That's a new start that we'll see unfolding over the next six month period between eclipses. And that seems to make some sense because we have various uh, vaccines that have been approved by different companies and things of that nature. We're seeing plans about how they're gonna start to be rolled out, uh, about who is going to be in line first for these vaccines, like emergency workers, the elderly, all of those things. And that plan seems to go from now until the summer, which when the next eclipse would happen. So I really do think that this eclipse is, that that is going to be one of the big themes of this eclipse and our awareness of all of the the healing that is going to take place between now and next summer. And hopefully by next summer we'll, we'll, start to begin to return to some sense of quote-unquote normalcy, um, hopefully by learning the lessons of, of what we've experienced in 2020 so that we don't have to repeat those lessons. I'm sure that we will have to repeat some of them, but I hope that we can learn from some of them. Otherwise, what's the point of all this? Uh, but yes, this is, this is a fixed star that, that is about healing. If you have this in your own chart, you may be attracted to healing modalities to herbalism or things like that um, i know i have neptune pretty close to this fixed star in the fifth house and i found a lot of healing through music through my creative expression uh through um you know being able to bring people in touch with uh their spirituality and their transcendence through my music and through my the all of the artistic things that i did and hopefully now i'm doing that through my creative expression through these forecasts and these podcasts and all of that nature and through my astrology. So that is what we have for Sunday, the 13th. Whew, it's a long one. Sorry, it's a long one. There's a lot of things to get to. Let's talk about next week. So the 14th through the 20th, can you feel the barn eagerness of the third decade of Sagittarius? We're almost home. We're going to have that new moon solar eclipse at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. Uh, on the 14th, uh, we're going to have a Mercury... Mars trying the same day. Uh, we are going to see Venus move into Sagittarius on Tuesday the 15th. And then there's, there's a lot of astrology next week. Big, big, big week happening. On Thursday the 17th, Saturn's going to move into Aquarius for good for the, for the next foreseeable future here. Um, then the sun's going to conjoin uh, and Mercury are going to conjoin right around the galactic center at 26 degrees of Sagittarius. And we're going to see Jupiter move into Aquarius on Saturday, the 19th, while Mercury makes a Kazemi moment at 28 degrees of Sagittarius. That's a lot of astrology. That's all building up to the Jupiter Saturn conjunction that's happening on the 21st or the winter solstice. So a lot of shifts, big uh, outer planets, moving signs next week, this week is just getting ready for that change. And it's okay. It's okay. You will survive, I hope, if you follow the rules. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And it, it's going to be all right. You know, We got to shed that old skin. We got to come bust out of the cocoon and leave that old reality behind and embrace some new ways of doing things. And that comes through hard work. That comes through step-by-step, day-by-day. Uh, you know, doing the little things that need to be done. All right. So that's what I've got for this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sticking it out with me. And uh, if you are enjoying the things that you're seeing on this podcast, and on these videos, please hit that subscribe button, the like button, make sure that you are reaching out if you want to get a reading I have a I I, this is a great time to get a six month ahead or three month ahead reading I I offer my uh, my forecasts and those links because i go into such detail and i think that those are digestible pieces that you can really apply to your life and make a plan Uh, they're kind of in between eclipse cycles so that's a really good uh way to to do the the forecasting i think um yeah be kind to one another if you want to make a donation to the work that i do there is a venmo and paypal me link on on these videos themselves that is always appreciated leave a comment in the in the uh in the uh, video or in wherever you're interacting with this, take the caps lock button off if you want to say something important. Uh, That'll be the first first thing to do. Uh, And then, uh, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's what I've got. Uh, Take care, everyone. I really appreciate all of you and hang in there. Peace.